Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. Connect further with us by downloading the Dream City Omaha app or finding us on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe for more. Amen. This weekend we, we honor our service members, we honor the families of service members. We even as, as Pastor Angel came up and, and we partook of communion and she started to say it, that this is uh, a weekend very fitting for us to partake in communion because it memorializes the price that Jesus paid. And, uh, and Memorial Day is about mem- uh, remembering and, and honoring those brave men and women who have served our country faithfully and, uh, and have paid the ultimate price for the freedoms that we can live in today. And the, the fact that we're here today gathered together um, with the freedom to gather in, in God's name. Uh, is only because of the, the men and women who have fought to protect those freedoms. So we, we honor them, we honor the families, we pray for them, uh, peace and, and comfort those that have lost family members and those that are currently serving. We pray for peace and protection uh, over you as well. So we want to say thank you for your service. Can we put our hands together again and just honor those for whom honor is due. This morning, First Chronicles chapter 22 is where we're going to be. Uh, I want to say thank you for those of you that are joining us online, those of you that are here in person. Can we put our hands together for Corey Johnson? It's his birthday today. Corey, why don't you just just wave to everybody, just let them know who we're saying happy birthday to. Corey is 29 today. He's got one more year in his 20s, and then he joins us in, uh, in the 30s. So enjoy it, because next year your back will start hurting at random, and all of the things will will begin to take place. But just want to say happy birthday. Happy birthday. Pray you're blessed on your birthday. First Chronicles chapter 22. We're going to begin reading in verse 11 here in just a moment. But uh, we've, been, we've been reading chronologically through God's word together. And uh, we've been reading for the last several weeks the, the life and the story of King David, the greatest king in the history of the nation of Israel, the one who united the the nation, the, the tribe of Judah with the rest of Israel. And, and it wasn't the, the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom, but under David's rule and his leadership was able to, to bring unity to God's people. We will see as we continue our reading that that doesn't last very long after David dies. And as we get into first and second kings, and, and then we get into the prophets, and we see all of the, the things that happen as a result of Israel's actions. You'll remember that as, as God led them into the promised land, he told them on numerous occasions, if you remain obedient to my commands, if you, if you worship me, if you don't look to the left, if you don't look to the right, if you stay focused on me, if you follow my, my commands and my leading, everything will be good for you. But if you don't, things will get bad. And, and as we continue to read throughout the Old Testament, we will see that things get bad. And, uh, but we've been reading in the life of King David, and this week we, we read as King David is nearing the end of his life. And as he's nearing the end of his life, he begins to get his affairs in order. We've, we've seen David at the highest of highs as a young man killing Goliath. At 33 years old, he's... he's anointed and crowned king of all of Israel. We've seen him expand the the nation. We've seen him at the lowest of lows. 
as the prophet Nathan came to confront him after his sin with Bathsheba. We've seen him run from his son as he tried to start a revolution against his dad. And, and we've been reading in the Psalms all along the emotional roller coaster that David has been on. And he's coming to the end of his life. And as he's preparing to step from this life into eternity, he takes his son Solomon and he appoints him to be the next king of Israel. And as he, he appoints Solomon and he lets everybody know that, hey, as I, as I step out, Solomon is going to step in. Solomon will take over. He gives Solomon some, some reminders. He gives him some final instructions. And we find those in 1 Chronicles chapter 22. We're going to begin reading in verse 11, like I said. And here's what David says to Solomon. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you and give you success as you follow his directions in building the temple of the Lord your God. You'll remember in our reading last week, David had this idea as he woke one day in his nice palace and he looks out at the tent that the Ark of the Covenant is in and, and he says, it's not right that I wake up in the cedar palace and God's presence is out there in this tent. I want to build, build a dwelling place for God. I want to build a, a temple for his presence and for these holy things that, that the, as we come and we worship, God's presence has a, a rightful place to dwell. And God comes through again, Nathan, and he says, listen, I don't, I've never asked for a house. I've never, I've never wanted anybody to build me a house. I've been content in a tent ever since we were in the wilderness for 40 years. That's where I've been and that's where I'm fine to be. But David, if, if you want to build a house, I want to let you know it's not going to be you that builds it. Because you are a man of war and because you have shed much blood, your, your son will be the one to build the temple. So as, as David is preparing to leave this life, he's making sure that things are ready for Solomon and that everybody is reminded of the task that lays ahead of them. He says, God will give you success in building the temple of the Lord. And verse 12, may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding that you may obey the law of the Lord your God as you rule over Israel, for you will be successful if you carefully obey the decrees and regulations that the Lord gave to Israel through Moses. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or lose heart. It's funny how many times that as we've been reading, we find that command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not lose heart. We're reminded through Moses, we're reminded again through Joshua as they prepared to enter the promised land. And now we're reminded again through King David that if we would simply follow God's commands, if we would be obedient to his word, that, that things would go well for us. Verse 14, he says, I've worked hard to provide materials for building the temple of the Lord. Nearly 4,000 tons of gold. That's a lot of gold. It's not 4,000 pounds of gold. How many you know how many pounds is in a ton? 2,000. So how many pounds is 4,000 tons? It's more than 8,000. It's 2,000 times 4,000. Somebody say 8 million. I don't know if that's right. I don't have time to pull out my calculator. We will trust you in that. 8 million pounds of gold. Somebody fact check that. 40,000 tons. 40,000 tons of silver and so much iron and bronze that it cannot be weighed. I've also gathered timber and stone for the walls, though you may need to add more. <laughs> he says, listen, I've, I've got all this stuff. 
I've given all of this stuff. This isn't, this isn't what Israel has provided. Later on, we will see what Israel brings to the table as well. This is just from King David. This is just from his, his personal checking account. This is, this is him emptying his 401k and saying, hey, here's what I have at the end of my life, and here's what I'm giving to the temple. It says, you may need to add a little bit more. Verse 15, you have a large number of skilled stonemasons and carpenters, craftsmen of every kind. You have expert goldsmiths, silversmiths, and workers of bronze and iron. Now begin the work, and may the Lord be with you. Then David ordered all the leaders of Israel to assist Solomon in this project. The Lord your God is with you, he declared. He has given you peace with the surrounding nations. He has handed them over to me, and they are now subject to the Lord and his people. Verse 19. Now seek the Lord, your God, with all your heart and soul. Build the sanctuary of the Lord, so that you can bring the ark of the Lord's covenant and the holy vessels of God into the temple, built to honor the Lord's name. This morning, as we, we look into God's word, verse 19 is, is kind of the verse that I want to use for our time today. And as I read it in the New Living Translation, David encourages them to seek the Lord with all their heart and with all their soul. But I want to, I want to read it in the NIV because the NIV puts it a little bit differently. Go ahead and put the scripture up there. Here's what it says in the NIV. He says, now devote your heart, devote your soul to seeking the Lord, your God. Lord, this morning, as we gather in your presence, we, we thank you even as we've been reminded today that in your presence there is freedom and in your presence there is fullness of joy. And as we come into your presence, I, I thank you that, that we are transformed and we are changed when we find ourselves in your presence. Lord, I pray that you would change us through the power of your word. I pray that you would transform us. I pray that you would renew our minds. And God, as, as David here is, is speaking to not just his son, but to the leaders of the nation of Israel, to the people of Israel, he, he encourages them, he challenges them to devote their hearts and devote their souls to seeking the Lord. God, I pray that as we as we find ourselves here today and as we leave this place today, I pray that each and every one of us would leave with a fresh devotion, a new level of devotion to you, devoted to your word and devoted to prayer, devoted to one another. We got devoted to being ambassadors for your kingdom, devoted to exalting you in all things, devoted to lifting your name high in our city, devoted God, to seeking you, not just on Sundays and not just a few days of the week, but God, every second of every day, would you draw us closer to you as we remain devoted to you. We love you and we give this time to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. This week, we were sitting around the dinner table and like Angel said, the kids are all at the campsite today, and so first service, you don't have to worry about it because we have a 11 o'clock service coming in later, but that 11 o'clock service, I might just preach for like four or five hours because after church, we're going back out to the campsite, and so, I don't know, we might just go back to Sunday night services, but, uh, but this week is, 
as we were making preparations and, and we were sitting around the dinner table, somehow the topic of, of movies came up. And you know me, you know that I love movies. I love watching movies. I love going to movies. One of my favorite things to do is on Tuesdays, which happens to be my day off. So if you email me on Tuesdays, you will not get a reply. But on Tuesdays, how many know there are $5 movies on Tuesdays? And the greatest, the greatest thing to do is to go to a $5 movie by yourself all alone. And it's kind of a bummer. Summer, like I love summer, but then the kids are out and they kind of throw a wrench into my Tuesday day off movie plans. But I love movies. I love going to movies. So we're sitting around talking about movies and somehow the, the question came up of, of what was the first movie that you cried in? And we began talking about movies that we've cried in. And, and, and so the boys are asking me, what movies have you cried in? I said, well, what movies have you cried in? They're 15 and 14, our oldest two. They're like, I've never cried in a movie. <laughs> like, that's a lie. I saw you when Iron Man snapped his fingers. And I looked over and I saw the tear rolling down your cheek as we watched Avengers Endgame. I know you've cried in movies. And so we started asking this question. They said, well, mom, what movie have you cried in? And she began to list every movie that she's ever watched. In the theater, at home, commercials even that she's cried in because Angel is, is an empath. She, she has empathy. And so everything that she watches, she feels. And she, she doesn't just experience it, she feels it. And so she cries at just the most random, like, are you really crying at this? So then we went to Carter and Carter started naming movies that he cried at and and Jewel, what movies do you cry in? And Jewel, Jewel's my, she's my, my princess. We have three boys, one girl, and I'll never forget. And I went back through my phone because I took a picture of it. But it was four years ago. Four years ago, the kids were downstairs watching a movie. And, and they were watching the movie Hook. How many of you have seen the movie Hook? With Robin Williams, it's about Peter Pan, and, and he goes back as an old man, and Rufio is there, and Rufio's the pan now, right? You guys remember Rufio? He had the red and the black spiked hair, and he's the one leading the, the Lost Boys. Is it the Lost Boys? Yeah, yeah the Lost Boys. And <laughs> I, Sorry, the Kiefer Sutherland movie popped into my head real quick. It's like, that's not right. Different Lost Boys. But, but Rufio's there, and so the kids are downstairs watching this movie, and I came downstairs right at the scene, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, right at the scene after Rufio died. And as I came downstairs, and Rufio in this movie has just died, my daughter, who was like six at the time, five maybe, is just a mess. And so I did what any dad would do. Pulled out my phone and I snapped a picture and I brought it for you today if you guys want to see this picture. Look at it. Just devastated. She, she is devastated. And I saw her and I said, baby, what's wrong? And she just, Rufio died. And she was so heartbroken. But then they said, dad, what was the first movie you ever cried in? It was not Gladiator. It was way before Gladiator. It's about a, about a dog named Shadow and Chance, a little cat named Sassy, Homeward Bound, for those of you that know what I'm talking about. And I remember being, <laughs> I remember being a, a kid. 
And I was, I was a kid. It was, I wasn't like 16, 17. I was a kid. And I remember we went to the movie in... And I wanted a dog so bad, we, had not, we, we, we were renting a house, so we couldn't have, we couldn't have pets in the house. And, and that scene at the end of the movie, where the, the animals are lost, and they think that they've been abandoned by their family, and they, they go on this journey, they, they essentially escape, and they, they run home, they find their way through the mountains, and over the, the rivers and through the valley and through the woods to grandmother's house they went. And, and at the end of the movie, the family is there and they're devastated because they don't know where their pets are and, and Sassy comes and Chance comes and Peter's there. Peter's wondering where Shadow is. Shadow is old. Maybe Shadow didn't make the journey and just then you see Shadow and I'm... <laughs> see Shadow come running over the hill. Peter goes running to Shadow, and Peter is yelling, Shadow, Shadow, and Peter, or, or Shadow in, in, in his dog voice is saying, Peter, my boy, my boy. How many of you are crying right now? Angel's, Angel's crying. I told you. I'm not even joking. She's crying on the front row. Give her some. There's some Kleenex down here if you need some. He says, Peter, my boy. And it was at that moment where as a boy who just wanted a dog, like just the, the tears started. And I, I still love that movie and I love watching that movie and I still get choked up at that part. And every now and then there might be a tear or two stray that, that find their way out of my eyes. But, but I love that movie and I love that scene and I love that picture of devotion. The picture of devotion that, that Peter had for Shadow, the picture of devotion that Shadow had for Peter where it doesn't matter what I face, I'm going to get home to my boy. You guys know what I'm talking about, those of you that have seen the movie. He was devoted to his boy. And, and today as we, as we read in God's word and as we read David reminding his son and, and imploring his son and encouraging the nation to be devoted to God. He says, devote yourselves to seeking the Lord. Devote yourselves heart and soul, everything that you have to seeking God. I think it's time for, for us as a church, for us that, that we call ourselves followers of Christ to, to come back to a place of devotion. And for those of us that are here that say, well, I am devoted, I would encourage you to, to evaluate how devoted or what you are devoted to. Because there's a lot of things that are competing for our devotion today. We're all devoted to something. It's just a question of what. Some people are devoted to their jobs. They give everything that they have. They stay there late. The best of their energy, the best of their time, the best of their ability is given to their job. Some people are, are devoted to hobbies. Everything that they have, all the money that they have goes into the things that they love to do. Some people are devoted to family. Some people are, are devoted to... One of the things that we were talking about this week is how crazy youth sports have gotten today. And I, I remember, I played sports growing up, and I remember going to tournaments, and I remember doing all the things. But it's almost like a cult now. Those of you that have kids in youth sports, you know what I'm talking about. So it's like, a cult. like 
It's like every day. And it's tournaments every weekend. And it's like all the money. Like they don't give you a price. They say, how much is in your savings account? Okay, then that's what it's going to cost to play. But we all, we all do it. And then none of us are at church and we, we have to take so much time away and we can't do the things that are really important to us because we're devoted to all of these other things. And I'm not saying that it's bad to, to be committed to these things. I'm not saying it's, it's bad to be a part of these things, but we have to, to be careful not to allow these things to take the place of God when it comes to the devotion of our hearts. And so we have to evaluate the things that we are devoted to. Now, what does it mean to be devoted? To devote simply means this. Go and put that definition up. To devote means to give all of something, especially your time, your effort, your love, or yourself to something that you believe in. To give all of something to what you believe in. To give all of yourself to what you believe in. All of your time, all of your emotion. What are you devoted to? See, we can be committed to a lot of things, but we can only be devoted to a couple. We can be committed and, and have a commitments in all of these other things, but, but we can only give all of ourselves to a few things. Jesus in, in Luke chapter 16 had had this to say, he says, no one can serve two masters for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Now in this context, Jesus, we know, is is talking about about money and the love for money. He says, no one can serve both God and money, but the principle remains. The principle is, is the same, that you can't spread your devotion out across all of these different things because there's only so much of yourself to give. I think the problem with a lot of us is we try and do that. We try and devote ourselves to all of these things so that when we come into God's presence and God asks us for, for more of our heart and more of, our, more of our, our, our soul and our will and our energy and our emotion, he asks for more access to us. And it's like, God, I've, I've, I'm all spent. I got nothing else to give because I've been giving myself to all of these other things. See, this morning we need to evaluate our devotion. As we read in the New Testament, there are things that if we're going to be devoted to God, as, as David encourages us to today, if we're going to be devoted to, to seeking the Lord with all of our heart and all of our soul, as followers of Christ, there are things that we must be devoted to as part of that. Now, out of our devotion to God, there's devotion to certain things. And if you're taking notes today, I want you to write these things down. And Hopefully, as you write these things down, you'll go this week and you'll, you'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak into these areas of your life. God, am I, am I fully devoted to you in this area? God, am I devoted to this? Am I, am I, am I building my life on these, these core principles and these core values? Because, God, I want to be devoted to you. If we're going to be devoted to God, the first thing that we must be devoted to is prayer. We have to be people who are devoted to prayer. And not making prayer like we, we make our, our spiritual AAA. I think some of us treat prayer that way, right? The only time you call AAA is when you're stranded on the side of the road. How many of you ever been stranded on the side of the road? How many of you know that's not fun? How many of you ever been stranded on the side of the road in the rain? How many of you know that's not fun? How many of you have been stranded on the side of the road in the rain on the last day of school as middle schoolers are walking past you and looking at you? 
How many know that's not fun? We were driving, we were leaving school, last day of school, all the things, Angel told you, all the things that we had going on. And she's like, we're going to pick up Isaiah and his two friends at the ice cream place, and then we're going to go get Jason. We've already got like 17 kids in the car. And so we're pulling up to a stop sign, and I turned around to see if we had enough room and to move something out of the way. And the car in front of me had stopped suddenly. I don't know why they stopped, but they stopped. And I didn't know that they had stopped. And by the time I turned around, I didn't have the time to stop. And so my bumper went straight into their bumper. But something about the way that their bumper bent, it punctured my tire. And so now it's raining and I'm changing a flat tire. And there's a, there's a girl in the church who goes to Isaiah's middle school and she's walking by and she said, John, what did you do? <laughs> like, shut up and just keep walking. <laughs> Even when we find ourselves in that position, like, we wish we had AAA. Like, somebody else come change my tire. But the only time we call them is when we're in trouble. Some of us treat God the exact same way, like he's your spiritual AAA. Like, God, hey, I'm in danger. I'm in trouble. I need you. I need a way out. I don't know what's going to happen. God, God, can you come and can you save the day? And what does God do? He shows up quicker than AAA does, I'll tell you that much. He shows up and he does and he provides and he opens doors and he heals the brokenness and he, he does those things that we need him to do. And as soon as he's done, rather than being allowing that to create relationship and intimacy with him, what do we say? We say, okay, thank you. I'll put that card back in my wallet and the next time I need you, I'll pray. The next time I need you, I'll call. See, God is not your spiritual AAA. And prayer is not the emergency 911 to be used in emergencies only. The Bible says to pray without ceasing, constantly, nonstop, always open lines of communication with God. To the, the Colossian church, here's what the Apostle Paul wrote. He said, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. We have to be people who are devoted to prayer. Jesus was asked by his disciples, teach us to pray. How should we pray? Why did they ask Jesus? Because they always saw him praying. When Jesus prayed, he did it, he did it privately. He did it early in the morning. And he did it often. How many of you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is pray? I'm not asking for literal response, but, but ask yourself that question. Is the first part of my day given to building relationship with Jesus? He was asked, how do we pray? And he, he said, when you pray, you should pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And many of us know the Lord's Prayer. Even if we didn't grow up in church, we know the Lord's Prayer. We were playing high school basketball before we took the court. We would, in the locker room, say the Lord's Prayer. And at the end of the Lord's Prayer, everyone would just like start cussing and like, all right, let's go. Like, wait, what, what? Huh? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, he wasn't saying pray this exact prayer. He was saying pray like this. Pray in this way. And, and as you look at that prayer, how is he praying? The first thing he does is he acknowledges the Father. He honors the Father. Hallowed be thy name. Second thing that he does is he prays God's will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. How many times do we go to God and say, God, here's my will? 
right? Like, God, here's what I want to see happen. God, here's what I wish you would do. Give us this day our daily bread. God, provide for me today whatever I need. You know what I'm going to come across. You know the situations. I pray that you would give me peace when I need peace. I pray that you would, you would give me patience when I need patience. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. God, would you make a way where there is no way? God, would you, Holy Spirit, would you lead me and would you guide me? And he's saying pray in this way. It's a, it's a model of prayer, not a prayer to be repeated. Now, there's nothing wrong with repeating it. But if that's the only prayer that we pray, we're missing out. We're missing out on, on intimacy with God. So we have to be devoted to prayer. It's, it's two-way communication. In your prayer time, I would encourage you to just shut up. Just stop talking. Just be quiet. Just allow God to speak to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So many times we go to prayer and it's like, okay, God, here's what I have today. Here's what I need. Here's what's coming up. Here's what's going on. Here's what I'm worried about. Here's the provision that I need. All right. I love you. Thank you. Amen. And God's like, but you didn't even you didn't give me a chance. You, you didn't let me speak. You didn't let me tell you about all the ways that I love you. You didn't, you didn't let me share all my thoughts for you. You didn't let me encourage you. You didn't, you didn't let me speak into your identity. You didn't let me tell you what I see when I look at you. Just stop talking sometimes. But we have to be devoted to prayer. The second thing that we have to be devoted to is we have to be devoted to God's word. He writes a letter to, to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and here's what he says. He says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Be devoted to God's word. The number one way that God will communicate to you is through his word. The number one way that God will reveal his character to you is through his word. The number one way that God will encourage you in your daily life is through his word. Now, I'm not discounting the encouragement we receive from other people, but I, I can promise you and I can tell you, and I found it true in my life. When somebody tries to come alongside, encourage me, it's nice and I appreciate it and it's good. And I'm like, thank you for that. But when I get into God's word and, and God encourages me, it lifts my spirit in a way that nobody else can. You need to be encouraged. You need to be in God's word. And I, I hear it so often. The two things that I hear the most are, I, number one, I don't know where to start. And number two, it doesn't make sense to me. How many of you ever felt that way? Like, I don't know where to, where, where do I start reading? And, and once I do, what do I, how do I know what it is that I'm, that I'm actually reading? And that's why this year I just, I wanted to make it super easy for you. Here's where you start. January 1, Genesis 1. And as you leave this week, those of you that don't have a copy of the reading plan, the new monthly plans will be at the door. You can feel free to grab one and follow along with us. Well, how do I understand? That's why when we get together on Sundays, we're going to be talking about the things that we've read. And as we've done it, I'm so encouraged because what I've, what I've been hearing for those, from those of you that have been going along with us is that, that this is really impacting you. It doesn't matter those that, that have been saved for 40 years. And those that have been saved for 40 minutes, it doesn't matter where you are because every time you get into God's word, there is new revelation. 
And there is something for each and every one of us. And so I would encourage you, get into God's word. Don't allow it to just sit on the shelf and collect dust. Don't allow Sunday mornings to be the only dose of God's word that you get. Every single day, make it a priority, even if it's only five minutes. You get up to drink coffee, take your Bible with you. Well, I can't read. Turn it on audio. Let somebody else read it to you while you get ready in the morning. Do whatever it is that you have to do. God forbid, wake up 10 minutes earlier. <laughs> now you're crossing the line, Pastor John. Take it easy. But we have to be people who are devoted to God's word. The third thing that we have to be devoted to is we have to be devoted to one another. <laughs> you had me at prayer you had me at God's word, but this, you're taking it a little bit too far. But as we, as we read the scriptures, we find in Romans chapter 12, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. How many of us struggle to do that? Every hand should be up right now. Be devoted to one another. Pastor Angel referenced them, all the, the one another's that we find in the New Testament. 59 commands that we can't obey as followers of Christ without one another. Yeah. To love one another and encourage one another and pray for one another and bear one another's burdens and greet one another with a holy kiss. No, I'm not, we're not going back to that. I'm just kidding. All the one another's that we find that we can't do if we're living in a bubble. My question is this. Can we, can we truly be disciples of Christ if we live in a bubble? We can't. But so much of our life is spent trying to create this bubble for us. We try and create this safe place for us to live and say that we're disciples. But as I read the New Testament, Jesus was always taking his disciples outside of safe spaces and comfortable spaces. He says, hey, let's go through Samaria. And they're like, what? Why? He said, hey, Peter, step out of the boat. Huh? Constantly calling them out of their comfortable spaces. Stop trying to create a comfortable space for you, but instead ask yourself, how can I today be devoted to one another? How can I be devoted to loving my neighbor? How can I be devoted to to showing honor, all the things that, that we need each other for. Breaks my heart when people come into church and they, they sit there and they leave as soon as the message is over and they come in a little bit late just so they don't have to talk to anybody. And I'm not, listen, I get it. Like, I'm not, I'm not the person to go around starting conversations with, with everyone at a new place as well. When it comes to the body of Christ, that's what we're here for. We're here to be connected to one another. We're here to encourage one another. We're here to, to build one another up, to have each other's backs, to pray for each other. We can't do this by ourselves. Stop trying to. Find somebody that you can one another with. And even if it's just one person, I'm not saying everybody. Some of you just need to find one person. Like, hey, let's one another. What does that mean? Let's love one another. Let's honor one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's be with one another. Let's encourage one another. Just one person. Find somebody to one another with. That's it. That's all I'm asking. 
And then the final thing, the fourth thing today, and then we're going to be done. We have to be devoted to prayer. We have to be devoted to God's word. We have to be devoted to one another. But then we have to be devoted to doing good. Be devoted to doing good. I think what's happened is I think for so long, and I'm not saying that it's right or it's wrong. It's just the nature of where we find ourselves. I think for so long in, in church culture and in church context, when we get together on Sundays, we give an, an encouraging word and a challenging word, but I think probably 90% of, of the messages that we preach typically tend to focus on, on us being good, whether that's our character, our integrity, our relationship with the Lord, and, and understanding that, that our goodness only comes from the the goodness of Christ in us, that, that none of us are really good. And so if we want to be good, first we have to know the one that is good and allow him to be good in us. And, and we spend so much of our time talking about being good and growing in love and growing in patience and growing in the fruit of the spirit. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with wanting to be good. I want to be good. Hopefully you want to be good. I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. But we've spent so much time preaching and talking and, and encouraging to, to be good and be good and be good and be good. And we've forgotten the, the doing good part. And I think the thought, again, I think the thought is if we could just get our church to be good, then the doing good should just naturally flow from that. But what we've found is that we've got churches full of a bunch of good people that don't do anything. But we're good. We're growing in goodness. The question is, okay, but what's the goodness that you're doing? Have your kids seen you feed the homeless? <laughs> Have, you, have your kids been with you at lunch when you share your faith with the waitress? Have they seen you bake cookies to take to the neighbors across the street? Have they seen you love people just for the sake of loving? Or when they're observing you, is it just disdain and contempt for this and that and complaining about all the little things? Or when the people closest to you, when they, when they watch you, do they, see, do they see you doing good? They might be able to testify that, yeah, they're a good person. But can they testify that they've seen you do good? As Paul writes to, to Titus, here's what Paul, here's what Paul says to Titus. I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God, how many of you have trusted in God, place your faith in him may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. He goes on in verse 14. He says, our people must learn to devote themselves. He's writing as a pastor. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. So many people today, are struggling with finding a sense of purpose in their life. I just wish I knew what my purpose was. I wish I knew what God created me to do. I wish I knew why I was here. And we go to work every day and we come home and we have the same feeling of just being unproductive. Like, did I really even do anything? 
And Paul here, he says the antidote to those feelings is devoting yourself to doing good. How do I find my purpose? Do good. How do I, how do I know what I was created for? Do good. Just start somewhere. Do something. Take a step. And as you do that, God will begin to show you those specific things. What good things should we be doing? Very quickly. Loving our community, serving others, being an encouragement to those around us, sharing our faith, <clears throat> excuse me, sharing our faith and inviting our friends. I got to, if you want to write these down. How do I do good? Love, serve, encourage, share, and invite. Very simply. When's the last time you loved somebody just to love them? Not expecting anything in return. When's the, the last time you served just to serve? And I'm not talking about serving to make yourself feel good about serving. I'm talking about serving to elevate the situation of somebody else. When's the last time you encouraged somebody? When's the last time you shared your faith? The saddest statistic that I've heard in a long time is the fact that 95% of evangelical Christians cannot remember the last time they shared their faith with somebody for the first time. 95% of evangelical Christians cannot remember the last time they told somebody about the good news of Jesus Christ. Like, what are we doing? We want to come, we want to sing songs, and then we want to get mad about the songs that we sang or the songs that we didn't sing. We want to, we want to come and it's too hot and it's too cold and we want to come and, well, there's no small group that meets in my neighborhood. We want to come and, and all of these other things. But when 95% of us can't remember the last time we shared the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody that desperately needed it, And what are we even here for? Inviting. When's the last time you invited somebody to come to church? You all keep coming back, so you must like something. <laughs> you keep coming back, so, so there's a reason you keep coming. You found something here. My question is, why haven't you invited all your friends and family to come and find the same hope that you found? Same joy that you found. Same love that you found. You were at a point where you desperately needed it. How many people around you are at a point where they desperately need it? Do we spend our times doing good or are we too focused on being good? Revelation chapter 3. There's a, there's a word and a rebuke that goes to these different churches. And I would encourage you to, to take some time to, to read Revelations chapter 2, chapter 3. Because God begins to point his finger on different things within the church. To one church, he says, you've lost your first love. To another church, he says something different. Romans chapter, or Revelation chapter 3, this is to the church in Laodicea. And here's what he says. He says, I know your deeds. That you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other, but because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I will spew you from my mouth, is what God says. And this is to the church. This is to a group of believers. And so often we, 
we hear this verse preached or referenced in terms of the temperature of our faith. Don't be a lukewarm Christian, meaning, you know, be on fire for God. But that's not what God is talking about here. And you can see that from the very beginning. He says, I know your what? Your deeds. So the hot or cold is in reference to their deeds. Now, what does this mean? In Laodicea, they, they had hot springs and they had cold springs. So when you understand context and who he's speaking to, this particular church knew the importance of hot springs and cold springs. Hot water, cold water. Hot water is for soothing. Cold water is for refreshing. They understood. Productive. Either one. But here God says, you're, you're neither. You're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, what's he saying? He's saying, because you're unproductive. Because you're not doing anything. I know your deeds. But because you're not giving yourself to anything, because you're not devoted to anything, because you're not serving, because you're not loving, you're not sharing, you're not, you're not doing the things that I've called you to do as disciples of mine, because you're not doing these things, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I wish you were productive for something. He's saying, just do something. First Chronicles, we read and we saw David gave of his own wealth. Eight million, I think, pounds of gold is what we as a group concluded. Pounds of gold and pounds of silver and all of these things. And he, he gave that of his own account. Even though he wasn't the one to build the temple. He wasn't the one to see it. He wasn't the one to take that first shovel and do a groundbreaking ceremony. It wasn't on him to do. And yet he still gave. He still did. He still served. He still arranged and he still organized, even though he wasn't the one. I think sometimes the thing that keeps us from doing good is we question whether we'll see the fruit of what we do. Here, David says, I don't have to see it. I'm still going to give it. I don't have to see the temple. I'm still going to give everything that I have. I don't have to see the finish, finished product. I'm still going to devote myself to this. Even if that person doesn't love you back, will you still devote yourself to loving? Yeah. Even if they can't repay you, will you still give? Even if they don't say yes in that moment, will you still invite? Even if you don't lead them to Jesus on the spot, will you still share? Are you willing to do it even if you don't see the fruit? Because you never know who's going to come behind and water the seeds that you plant. We think the harvest is ours and it belongs to us and we have to see the finished product. We're not. We're just laborers. Sometimes we plant. Sometimes we water. God causes it to grow. There's an ancient proverb, and I'm going to end with this today. It's an ancient proverb. Nobody really knows where it came from. But I think it, it communicates the heart behind, I think, what God wants to, to challenge us with today. And I've put it in the, the form of a question, and, and I want to leave you with this question. And here's the question. Are you willing to plant trees under whose shade you will never sit? Are you willing to plant trees 
knowing that you'll never be the one to reap the benefit? Are you willing to do good? Are you willing to devote yourself to God and out of your devotion to him? Be devoted to prayer and be devoted to the word and be devoted to one another, but not forgetting to be devoted to doing good. And when there's opportunities to serve in the community, even though I might never reap the benefit myself, I'm still going to do it. There's opportunities to give, even though I might not never see the the, the final result, I'm still going to give. You walk into a grocery store and you don't know whose life you're going to impact, and yet you'll still pray and say, God, open my eyes and show me whatever mission you have me on here today. Thank God that as I look around today, there are a lot of good people who have worked really hard at being good. And there's nothing wrong with that. But today, out of our devotion to God, may we not just strive to be good, but may we also devote ourselves to doing good. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that that even as the angel in Revelation came to the church and put his finger on different things and pointed out different things, God, that that today you've come and I think you've you've put your finger on different things and, and different ones. God, we're all here today, and I think many of us, most of us, would say, well, yeah, we want to be devoted to God. We want to give all of ourselves to, to what we believe in. God, as, as those who want to be devoted to you, your word also tells us that, that out of that devotion, we must be people devoted to prayer. So God, forgive us for for treating you like our spiritual emergency hotline. God, we're reminded today that we must be people devoted to your word. God, forgive us for thinking that that your word is is not relatable and it's not applicable. God, in a world that is struggling so hard to know what is true, and we can, we can read your word and build our lives on it, knowing that it is the ultimate truth. It is the only truth. God, forgive us for trying to create a, a comfortable bubble to live in, keeping others out and just trying to create this perfect environment of just us and you. But Lord, we can't be disciples of yours and not do all of the one another's that you have commanded us to. So Lord, may we be devoted to one another. God, today may we be devoted to doing good. 
May we be a people so devoted to loving, to serving in our community, to encouraging those around us, to sharing our faith. God, I pray that you would break our hearts for those that are in our city that need to experience your love. God, that you would break our hearts about the fact that there are people dying in our city and going to hell every day that don't know you. People around us that need the eternal hope of salvation that you have offered to them. God, that we would be people who are not ashamed of the gospel, but that we would share the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. God, that we would be devoted to inviting friends and family into the, the newness of life that we've experienced. This morning, if you're here and you say, that all sounds great and I want to be devoted, the first step is submitting your life to him, accepting the gift of salvation and surrendering to him as your Lord and Savior. This morning, if you haven't done that, I want to lead you in a quick prayer. Church, would you just help us to pray today? If you're here, you're watching online, you say, I need to accept Christ. I need to, to give my life to him. I want to be devoted to him. Just pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus, today I devote my life, my heart, my soul, every part of me to living for you. Would you change me from the inside out as I surrender my mind, my will and my emotions to you. Wash me, cleanse me. I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Today I repent. I change my mind and I change my actions. Help me to live according to your word, to your commands in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those. I prayed that prayer. I pray that you would take them by the hand. Holy Spirit, would you lead and would you guide? Thank you that their names are written in your book of life even right now. God, those that maybe aren't even watching here today, they're not even watching online right now. Maybe they're going to watch online later. Lord, we thank you that seeds have been planted, that seeds will be watered. God, we thank you that one day you will, you will cause the harvest to come forth. God, help us to be obedient to working in whatever field you have called us to, according to whatever duties you've assigned to us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Love you guys. Have a great week. Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things, helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. We hope that this message helps serve one of those three goals, and we encourage you to check out our past sermon series and online classes, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ.